Welcome to Left on Red, the Daily Mountain Eagles political podcast. I'm Jennifer Coron. And I'm Drew Gilbert. And we are once again continuing with our theme of uh, current events as opposed to kind of our walk back in time that we've done for our first couple of seasons. And since last we met, we have an official uh, nomination to the Supreme Court. Her name is Amy Coney Barrett. That's the one. Uh, also known. No, she's not known as Yes, anything. she is. You can't force it, Jennifer. There is a literal website, the glorious ACB. <laughs> it probably actually works. Replacing the notorious RGB. Glorious probably works. She's got cool initials, so that certainly works for mm-hmm. it. And then Glorious, she's kind of a darling of the Christian mm-hmm. conservative right, so mm-hmm. Glorious kind of fits in yes. that. Okay. So there's it needs to be earned. There's an actual movement. It, ne- it needs to be earned, but it is the proper nickname when the time comes. Mm-hmm. I'll give you that. Um. Yes, I'm intrigued. Um, and to my knowledge, do guy uh, justices, do we have any nicknames like Bad Boy Brett or anything like that? Can we there start were some, that one? There were certainly some names for Mr. Kavanaugh <laughs> that <laughs> I'm sure that, that he didn't want to stick. Okay. Uh, and the rest of them are boring, I guess. Okay. Yeah. Um, so just a little bit about her. She, if confirmed, will be the sixth Catholic on the Supreme mm-hmm. Court. Mm-hmm. Um, for the record, the other two, Neil Gorsuch was actually... Um, born into the Catholic faith and I believe now attends an Episcopal church. And then we have two justices who are Jewish. So everybody else is um, is Catholic. She would be the first mother of school-aged children to serve in the Supreme Court. Trump mm-hmm. pointed that out um, in the Of which she has seven. Of which she has seven. Mm-hmm. Seven. <laughs> moment of moment of silence and respect for that. Seven. <laughs> that two truth. of whom, I believe, are, um, are adopted. Yes. yes. Yes, two adopted. And I think... She would be the first Southern woman to serve because she's only the fifth in general, mm-hmm. and she's from Louisiana. Yeah, she's and New so, Orleans Southern too. Yes. So that's that's like that's mm-hmm. deep South. Yeah. That so counts. I'm yeah. saying would be the first uh, the first Southern woman. Uh, do you have any general thoughts on Amy Coney Barrett? Well, and, you know from we, what we've seen of her. We dropped her name uh, last week. Mm-hmm. Just she seemed like the front runner. Um, so she was she was nominated uh, the current position she's in on the Court of Appeals. She was nominated by Trump in seventeen. And then she was in the running for the Kavanaugh seat. She was. And the the chatter was that it didn't go very well, uh, interview-wise, like with the White House and mm-hmm. stuff. They, they, weren't, See, they read, weren't feeling her at the time. I read that he said he was specifically saving her okay. for Ruth Bader Ginsburg's seat. Well, good for him because, uh, you know, he... He says a he lot of things, yes, so for him intended. to actually say one and then do it, I'm, yes, I'm, uh, he intended. You know, at least I he read did that it. somewhere. Um, she's qualified for the bench. She's going to get confirmed. So we talked a little bit last week about kind of who the outliers were and mm-hmm. who wouldn't, who wouldn't. Uh, since then, um, you know, the two the two women, one from Maine, one senator from Maine, one senator from Alaska, they're both standing firm by their mm-hmm. – they're not touching it. Um, and Mitt Romney fell down on the Mitt, side of the Republicans. Mitt Romney did, and so this is where you know Mitt Romney gets gets hell from his own party sometimes because they they call him a rhino or Republican mm-hmm. in name only, but he believes in conservative judges, mm-hmm. so he's not going to stand in the way of a conservative right. judge, a forty eight year old qualified mm-hmm. conservative judge getting on the Supreme Court. He don't care if it's Trump's nominee; he right. cares that a qualified judge that's conservative mm-hmm. is going to be on there for a long time. And then you also had Cory Gardner pretty much lose his election in Colorado by mm-hmm. coming out quickly and saying he's yeah. going to vote to confirm. But there may be the same convictions for him where he wants to see a conservative right. judge. Um, so confirm. that's not in question. Um, I found this totally by accident. So there's been a lot um, you know, made about how quickly this nomination would have to happen and things like mm-hmm. that. 
Um, we heard a lot about um, Scalia, Antonin Scalia, who was her mentor, but mm-hmm. she actually has ties to another former Supreme Court justice. Really? Um, John Paul Stevens, he okay. of the interesting bow tie, uh-huh. um, died at 99 last year, I think. But um, he served on the U.S. Court of Appeals for the Seventh Circuit, the same seat that she holds now. Isn't that something? He served in that seat uh, from 1970 to 75, and he was confirmed uh, to the Supreme Court uh uh, in late 75, in 19 days on a 98 to nothing vote. <laughs> and there's one other note that I made here that may explain the 98 to nothing vote. He was the last Supreme Court nominee confirmed without televised hearings. <laughs> so there you go. Wow. Um, so he previously served in the same seat that, that she did there in, in Chicago and went on to become a Supreme Court justice. And she seems on her way to being a Supreme Court yeah. justice. So. so we're going to have, um, I mean, let's just fast forward through, through really all of the, the dog and pony show. Uh, she's going to get confirmed, uh, 51, 49. She's going to get every Republican except for the two that we mentioned earlier. Mm-hmm. And then she's not going to get a single Democratic vote because right. that's how we confirm now. Mm-hmm. And just to put that in perspective, um, even like Obama era uh, nominees in Justice Kagan and, and Justice Sonia Sotomayor, they received votes from both parties, like mm-hmm. a, a pretty big chunk yeah. from from the Republican Party confirmed them because they were qualified to be the judge. Mm-hmm. And we're losing that a little bit now. It's like, well, you're qualified, but you're not on my team. Yes. <laughs> and so we're not confirming. And it's just it's just garbage. And if they're the qualified end, and they're nominated by the elected president, confirm them. One they, thing they that I here. wanted to bring up about the coverage of her, as you said, I don't think there's any question that she's qualified, which should be the only question. But even before she was be. announced, this is the thing. This is something that kept coming up. Um, this kingdom of God reference. Did you? Yeah. Did you? Hear I didn't about go down this? the rabbit hole because that's the kind of thing that I just mm-hmm. uh, steer clear. I of, but did go because ahead. it's the only thing that they seem to be able to say about her. Mm-hmm. So um, you're going to hear that you know she had the seven children. One of them has Down syndrome, and mm-hmm. then you're going to hear that she wants to um, completely obliterate separation of church and state, and that she said it's a lawyer's job basically to bring about the kingdom of God on earth. Mm-hmm. That's how it's. That's how it's being presented in memes and mm-hmm. all sorts of things. Um, and so that's the kind of thing that like you, I was just like, okay, well, what is this about? Give me some context here. So I looked into it. Um, and just to set the record straight on that, uh, this was a comment she made at a 2006 commencement speech at her alma mater, um, Notre Dame law school, Mm -hmm. Notre Dame of, um, the Catholic, of of super Catholic Catholic background. Um, her actual quote is your legal career is a means to an end. And as father Jenkins told you this morning, so she's actually calling back to something they've already heard earlier Uh in the commencement, that end is building the kingdom of God. Um, so she doesn't say that this is your role. Mm -hmm. Um, she's on the record in several places, some interviews and things. She actually chose Notre Dame law school because she went to uh, Rhodes college. Mm -hmm. Um, she chose Notre Dame because she thought that they would kind of, build you as a whole person and Mm -hmm. not as a lawyer. Mm -hmm. And so it seems very important to her that, as I think you and I would agree, that you can be a person of of faith and you just, you want to do your job, but you want to do it as a good person. That's right. So if you, if you die and you are the best, you know, known as the best lawyer, but you're kind of a crappy person or a crappy whatever you are, um, you know, it, that's kind of what she seemed to be getting around to, both in that comment and in other comments that she's made. Um, and there are some comments on the record. Uh, she wrote a paper one time where she was talking about Catholic judges in capital cases. And she actually said that, 
you know, it's not appropriate for a Catholic judge to administer um, the death penalty, obviously them being Catholic, but that the appropriate response would be that they recuse themselves, not that they bend the law to their faith. So there is a way to both uphold your faith and uphold the law. And she has made these comments. She has written about these things. So I didn't find anything in my research. And believe me, I did a little bit of research because I was concerned, you know, like, where's the comment coming from? Um, this should not be a controversial thing, except that it well, is. And but she's not, she's not claiming, you know, that her job is to figure out, um, you know, how best right. to build to put you know, Jesus in Christian the court. kingdoms. Yeah, yeah, uh, that's, yeah. At no point has she said that explicitly. Well, and let's be clear what this is about, and it's, it's an election issue every single election. It's not actually an election issue. It's just one of those things they make everyone talk about so they don't actually pay attention to mm-hmm. what they're actually doing, and it's abortion. Yeah. It's it's hot mm-hmm. button. It's it's somewhere near— and you can imagine where she's going to fall down It's somewhere that. near a 55-45 probably in our country. It's a, it's a volatile topic, mm-hmm. and, it, and it's one that involves right. life. I mean, it's, it's, it's big. It's a big issue. You can assume by her faith and where she lands, where mm-hmm. she lands on the issue. But is that how she... And to that end, she has made comments where it seems that she would not um, automatically uh, view Roe versus Wade as untouchable. Right. Whereas some people would be like, you you can't. This is set in stone. But but at some point, too... She's not one of those judges. Let's say there's a challenge to Roe versus Wade. Well, she's not the Chief Justice. Chief Justice Roberts can literally get that case to his desk and say, this is settled. We're not even Mm going to see this case. He has that right. So there, there's there's a lot to, to be said for that. But here's the other side of it. They don't make laws. They interpret mm-hmm. them. So let's talk about let's looking at polling and where elections are headed. It looks like Democrats are about to take the White House and the Senate, and they already have the House. So let's just say they got a case to challenge Roe versus Wade to the Supreme Court, and she and, you know, how many ever other conservative judges mm-hmm. overturned Roe versus I Wade. I think it would be six to three in their estimation yeah. now. Yeah. So then the House and Senate, with Democratic leadership, just pick up a bill, codify Road versus Wade, make a new law, and mm-hmm. it's not the it's not the court's job anymore. Yes. To they they they've made a new law. So. I actually listened to a podcast to that end. The that's other probably day, what's going to happen. Said, if we're being honest, the reason the Supreme Court seems as powerful as it has become is because the legislature they quit has, making laws. Yes, they have quit um, exercising the power mm-hmm. that is their right. Yeah, and so you didn't need them to do things like the same sex marriage and stuff like that. You didn't necessarily yeah. need the court to step into those battles. Yeah. The legislature could have done that and chose not to. Well, and I, and I think we're going to be forced into that, actually, mm-hmm. because I think if you do, you know, a lot of states, including our own, wasted an, an egregious amount of money to make abortion illegal, even though it's legal it's by the federal. It's already part of it, yeah. And so those, one of those cases is going to make its way to the Supreme Court. I think one of two things happens. Uh, one is just Chief Justice Roberts just says, we settled this in the 70s. The, this court has ruled mm-hmm. on our opinion on that law. Or they take it up, they overturn it, which just forces the hands of the House, the Senate, and the White House, which would sign off on codifying mm-hmm. Roe versus Wade. So yeah. it, it's, again, to, to all the voters out there, it, it's obviously an issue that matters to a lot of people. Sure. But politically speaking, it's noise. Mm-hmm. They want you to pay attention to that while they're doing a lot of other things mm-hmm. that they don't want you to pay attention to. And I'm, I'm not being a conspiracy so, theorist here. That's just, uh, that's just how they play the game. There we are. You're right. That's what that, a lot of that goes back to. And, uh, you know, that's that's the thing. At the end of the day, she's most likely going to be confirmed. She most yeah. likely should be confirmed because it, this woman qualified. is consistently, you know, referred to as brilliant. Yeah. And, I mean, she's highly accomplished. Mm-hmm. And when, there's no uh, reason other than won, the fact uh, that you don't like her particular leanings in certain instances. There's no reason to keep this well, woman off the court. We've so, got to get away go. from that. 
we've got to get away from that because the judiciary is independent of our politics. Mm-hmm. And so, um, well, the aforementioned John Paul Stevens was, um, uh, nominated by Republican uh, Richard Nixon, and towards the end of his career was uh, found in the liberal column of most things. I mm-hmm. think he wrote the dissent mm-hmm. to Bush versus Gore and all sorts of things. Mm-hmm. Um, so, you know, again, he and he was a law. lifelong Republican, like committed Republican, yeah. but his particular votes later in his life definitely fell in the liberal column. Yeah. So, well, uh, you know, which is his right to do. Well, in the court is not the only place we have a hard time. Um, not labeling our people right, but mm-hmm. uh, I'm sure if you brought up the name Robert S. Mueller to a lot of diehard Trump supporters, they would think that he is one of the most wretched humans on earth. Mm-hmm. And what they don't know is that he's been a card-carrying Republican before Donald Trump even thought about putting an R next to his name. Mm-hmm. So we just, that's that's wow. where we are. Uh, we want to move on quickly to debate as we sit here. There yeah. will be a debate. I guess this will come out on the day uh, of the debate, right? Yeah. Um, so exciting to so maybe kind of watch at it a little bit right. because it's just <laughs> going to be wretched, it's guys. Change the <laughs> it's future. Be so bad. Um, so <laughs> there's one thing that makes this debate interesting, um, honestly, somewhat interesting, or at least fodder for our conversations. Yesterday, uh, the president accused um, nominee Joe Biden of uh, potentially. Uh, being the recipient of performance enhancing drugs. Right, because he looks like someone that's on performance well, enhancing drugs. Well, I was going to say, um, as as baseball uh, people, I married into it. You a legitimate fan. Uh, mm-hmm. Performance enhancing drugs brings up um, uh, Mark McGuire. I was about to say, that, 19, Bonds, that 1998 home run race uh, was a lot of fun Jose for me to watch. <laughs> um, <laughs> this is who we associate with performance enhancing drugs. I have seen nothing from Joe Biden that makes me think performance-enhancing drugs. No. Nothing. If you look at some of those debates, I said there's no way he can continue. He can't continue. Then all of a sudden, he debated crazy Bernie Sanders. And you know what? The truth is he was, he was okay. And I said, how did he go from there with those horrible performances to where he was okay? And I always joke, but, you know, it is true. He was no Winston Churchill in debating, but he was fine. And people say he was on performance-enhancing drugs. A lot of people have said that. A lot of people have written that. So, so take a look at it. Take a look. Why don't you just check it? You can check out the Internet. You'll see plenty of people say it. And whether he is or not doesn't matter. But uh, I would love to take a test, and he can take a test, too. Now, where this comment seems to be coming from is that uh, you know, some people, I quite frankly never watched a, ba- a debate where I thought Joe Biden did extremely well, but he did seem to be better at some times than others, shall we yeah. say. And so I think they're believing that the president is kind of trying to um, already explain away if basically Joe Biden can walk out on the stage and, you know, chew gum and he's you know keep walking at the same drugs. time yeah. it'll be considered a win for joe biden yeah and the only possible reason for why he can be good at sometimes and bad at other times is they give him a shot yeah. it was very specific where they gave him the shot by the way mm-hmm. they give him a shot and joe biden just wakes up and gets better yeah um that's 
That's where we I, are, guys. Frankly, I don't think the shot works half the time. <laughs> um, <laughs> that's just personal opinion. Uh, if he's being given performance-enhancing drugs, I'd like him to double that dose. Well, it's but, it's funny. Um, it's funny to me uh, as an objective observer uh, that the guy just this year you, we watched the embarrassing walk down the ramp at West Point. And we watched the embarrassing multiple times of holding water, which was just mm-hmm. weird. It was a two-handed. It, look, he'd never drank water before. Mm-hmm. So there were multiple occurrences there. And then you watched Joe Biden riding a bicycle down the street with a Secret Service detail. So, like, literally, if you had to just check a box of who you thought might be a little more physically fit, mm-hmm. I would certainly pick I'd pick Joe. It doesn't seem related to performance-enhancing trades. It's a uh, weird claim, but it's his brand. So. It's on brand for his it politics. Is. Um, it is. It just, um, just put him on trial constantly, and that's what it's about, so, which is the, the things to watch for in this debate. Mm-hmm. Uh, if you are a glutton for punishment, you're going to watch it. Um, I'm very curious. Trump's going to bring those things to the table. He he's going to bring the. He may not. He may be smart enough to not touch Bo Biden specifically. Yeah, I don't know. I think I that's going to be a thing that will I think happen. we're going to go after Hunter and yeah. the the ties to Ukraine oil companies and things like that. Mm-hmm. Um, which Biden could easily flip right back and say, "Hey, your you know your kids have titles to Russia, mm-hmm. so like we can play this game if you want." I don't. I'm curious, will Biden play back? You know what mm-hmm. I mean? Secretary Clinton, the in, in their debates, she almost dismissed when he did things like that as mm-hmm. just irrelevant to the whole thing. But it obviously became relevant to the voters. Well, she didn't so, know what to do. Yeah. He, he but caught she her just, off guard. I mean, she, she just rolled eyes and moved back to issues, yes. right? She didn't know how to respond. Because it was just a man saying absurd things. But it worked. Mm-hmm. And so I'm wondering from the Biden camp, how, how are you going to play with this? Uh, you have to go at some of it, at least partially. You can't um, ignore these claims. Well, I heard, uh, oddly again, just one of these random things that happened today, was listening to a podcast interview, and Michael Moore, the filmmaker, actually said that in 2016, he and several other comedians, he wouldn't name their names, actually reached out to the Clinton campaign and were like, you know, if you really want to get under this guy's skin, let us write some material for you. Let us write some lines mm-hmm. for you and they just didn't that want to play. would humiliate him and and that kind of a thing. And the Clinton campaign was a firm no on that because they were afraid that it would get out, that they had written these lines. Some yeah. of them were deemed, um, you know, blue comedians. I mean, they're not the most respected. Or maybe they had said something one time that offended and then you're you know, tied to that a quarter yeah. of the population. And so um, she wouldn't do it. And obviously we see that. But it was just an interesting yeah. thing to Hindsight, me. I might have given that a whirl. one, they had written some lines for her. And two, taught her to deliver them well. Yeah. Because yeah. she's really not a great stand-up comedian. No. No. Um, at all, but she's a, she's a bright enough but woman that I believe that if we gave her she could a little training for the week, it for yeah, sure. she could pretend to be that person so for a minute. Who, yeah. who knows if a couple of <laughs> uh, comedians had written Hillary Clinton a few lines, it, things might have gone differently in 2016. Or if the Clinton campaign begged off, flown to Wisconsin uh, the day before the election. Or that. <laughs> she could have uh, le- won it legitimately to too. <laughs> um, Okay, so debate. Right. So that's debate. We'll, we'll watch it. We'll talk uh, about already, it a little more next week. I've already staked my piece in here. Mm-hmm. Uh, if you guys want to get some popcorn, maybe come down to, to my family business and watch the vice presidential debate with mm-hmm. me, I'm here for that. We can socially distance and be responsible. Uh, um, I'm just not here for these presidential debates. Yeah. They're not going to give you anything and new. Pence They're may surprise in it. that one, too. That's the thing. You know, talking about expectations, Donald Trump is, has tried to lower expectations exceedingly in his debate. 
Um, I feel like that's the general kind of opinion. People think mm-hmm. that Kamala Harris is going to wipe the floor, and so she as long can as be he kind of an uneven that's true. That's candidate, true. and yeah. she can sometimes deliver things in such a way that it doesn't land the way it should. Mm-hmm. Like it may be a brilliant line, but mm-hmm. she doesn't deliver it. Maybe at the right put it time. at the wrong place. Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah. And so going into that, I think a lot of people may be watching with the popcorn, uh-huh. and that may be a dangerous estimate because Mike Pence may come out and be. Well, it's, it's not like he's a buffoon. Know, or anything. This right. just isn't. So he may this come isn't out his typical strength. And then that becomes because it'd be way more interesting, let's put it that way. People are expecting the headlines the next day to be how well Kamala Harris yeah. performed. So then if he just if, if he's it's even, a draw, mm-hmm. then he won. Yeah. yeah. You know, that's yeah. going to be some interesting headlines for the next day. So I think the key in that vice we'll presidential see. debate. And I don't even know when that one is. How many weeks away uh, is that one? He gave me the date the other day. Okay. October seventh or yeah. something like that, okay. shooting from memory. Uh, the key to that one for me, for, to the vice presidential debate, is the more she can get Mike Pence off of a script, mm-hmm. the better she's going to look. Yeah. I think she can pivot better in the middle of things mm-hmm. than where he can't. But if he gets to stay on his script, uh, he he delivers remarks quite well. Yeah. And that that's it'll definitely be, make for better so. for better television. I'll be excited about that one. Um. So uh, quickly, we can just kind of put this this election in context. Um, so there was a Pew survey in, in August that back in um, uh, 2000, when we asked this question about uh, does it matter, you know, does does the presidential election matter? Does the winner matter? Mm-hmm. Or are they basically, you know, the same person and politics or politics? And it's just going to be. It so matters. 50% in 2000 said uh, said that it mattered. So 50%, 50%. basically said it it didn't matter one way or another if George Bush or Al Gore won. Didn't matter greatly to the country. Crazy. Um, this year for this election in 2016, by the way, that number was 74 percent. This year, 83 percent of people said that who wins matters. So that's the, the Trump that, factor. The feeling that there yeah. are higher stakes is definitely uh, higher. Well, no, it's in this totally election. the Trump factor because I could certainly see in that research in 2000, you look at Al Gore versus mm-hmm. George Bush, and you're like, eh, right. yeah, I. It got a similarly aged white politician from the mm-hmm. South. But when you look at this one, you've got Trump's brand, um, which has obviously affected us globally. Mm-hmm. It's affected uh, relationships with, with other foreign powers. Whether you think that's a good or a bad thing, you can debate with yourself. But it's different. It is different. Yeah. So they do represent different things. So they're expecting high voter turnout in order to beat the record. Apparently the record um, of 65% of eligible voters voting was set in 1908. Um, so in order to break you know, that record. Uh, in, in 2016, I believe 138 million votes were cast. People are estimating that there may be 145 million this year. There's there's no way of mm-hmm. knowing. But just in general, um, that putting that in context, this election, people feel like the stakes are higher. Mm-hmm. And it's too soon to tell, really, obviously, if uh, voter turnout is going to match that. There's reason to believe in the mail-in voting that it will. Um, but maybe we move on to, to polling next about yeah. how people feel about these particular candidates. They obviously feel like it matters, but like how, what polling, what does the polling Certainly. Like? So polling's tough. And obviously a lot of people have talked about polling since 2016. And, and that is the favorite mm-hmm. uh, comeback of, of a Trump supporter that maybe sometimes I don't actually understand polls. Polls were right mm-hmm. in 2016, just so everyone knows. The polls thought that Hillary Clinton would win the popular vote somewhere between two and a half to three million. She won by like 2.8 million votes. Mm-hmm. Um, so the polls landed exactly where they thought they were. There were literally 14 counties in three states that mattered because they swung the electoral college mm-hmm. of those states. So the votes landed. And people, polls only 
poll certain people. So you're not generally polling those people who surprise you on election day. That's right. And a lot of people turned out on election day that never were included in any sort of poll, most likely. That, that's right. So that also happened in 2016. And so then the other thing to look at in this um, this increasingly uh, um, partisan politics that we're in you got to figure out which poll to look at. Mm-hmm. Uh, there are polls that are always leaning to the left. There are polls that are always leaning to the right. I don't know what purpose there those serve. There are internal serves. polls, and surprisingly, if a candidate releases an internal poll, it usually means good things for them. Yeah, yeah. So, so uh, amongst all those polls, um, the most reliable, very consistently, is the Quinnipiac University mm-hmm. polls. Those tend to have the best grades from both sides. They they seem to have the least partisan effect, and they seem to tell the results the best. And averaging polls. I've, I've heard from several averaging acts recently works. that a lot of people who really are in the business, they take a couple of polls and they average yeah. them. And well, they and they cut, out the, they cut out the super partisan. They grab right. the few. And th- there's a really good website, yeah. uh, 270 to win. Mm-hmm. Um, they do that. They do an average of polls, which we can actually talk about what they're looking like right now. The, we'll, we'll start with the, the Quinnipiac. So the most recent Quinnipiac like national poll uh, was on um, September 2nd. So we've got another one coming up very soon. And it had Biden 52% to Trump's 42%, which is presidential landslide. Mm-hmm. If, if that happens. If that happens that way, the, yeah. The problem with those 10 points, so there's a margin of error of two or three points. So mm-hmm. you, know, you could just say that he has a seven-point lead. Right. The problem with that is... Joe Biden could win the popular vote by seven percent and happened. lose. Yes, and so that's that's Trump's game. And his campaign did this right last are. time, and and so that's where a ten point lead could be the greatest electoral blowout in the history of our nation. Mm-hmm. And it also could be Joe Biden winning by nine million votes and losing, and not president. <laughs> yeah, yes. because that's our system. That's mm-hmm. what we have. To put that in perspective, the closest Quinnipiac poll from 16 was on uh, September 14th versus that one was on September 2nd this time around. Uh, and that one was 48-43. Tr- uh, Clinton was 48. Trump was 43. So he was um, – Trump was faring a little better mm-hmm. himself, but Clinton was faring worse. Uh, mm-hmm. There were more undecideds, and yeah. it was – you know, obviously neither one of those were very popular candidates when we compared the two together. Mm-hmm. And there were a lot of people that just didn't want to vote for him. I think you're seeing a lot of this time – I don't know if there's a lot of indecision out there right now. Um, Apparently not, no. I really don't think there is. I think you've either bought into the Trump brand and who he is and what he does and how he does it, or you despise that. And so I think voters are pretty much decided the at this point. The only thing I've, I've heard is potentially, potentially, um, the Supreme Court nomination and how that plays out may convince some people who um, lean Republican but didn't necessarily want to vote for Trump, it may remind them of why they'll have to bite the bullet again or bite the bullet for the first time and yep. vote for him. So, But that's probably not a huge number of people, but that is probably the only number of people who are kind of, um, if they're undecided in any way, they can't yeah. vote for Biden, it may kind of bring them home to the fold. You know, that, true, say. true. But that's really, you don't hear a whole lot of like truly... I'm just. I just really wish I knew more about that Mr. Yeah. Trump or that <laughs> Mr. Biden. Generally, <laughs> figured out right now. <laughs> uh, so they've been around forever. Yeah, it's called Google. Like yeah. you can pretty much find just out whatever you want to know up. about them. Yeah. So look there's not up. a whole lot of curiosity. I don't think anyway. About so them. talking more to you talked about the um, averaging polls together. The website 270 to win. They do exactly that, and so they grab uh, they grab more than three. I think mm-hmm. they they'll do eight, nine, ten composites into one. And so, obviously, the name 270 to win is the president needs 270 electoral votes. So, the way they're projecting, and this was the most recent projection, uh, I think this was from a few days ago, 
Um, they're projecting right now that Biden would have 278 locked up electoral votes and Trump would have 187 locked up, uh, which would leave a few states kind of out in the open. The states that are out in the open would be Arizona, Georgia, Florida, and North Carolina. And so to put those in perspective, um, Florida has been a toss-up almost my entire life. Mm -hmm. A Republican has only once ever won without winning Florida. It is very important to Trump. It is his home state, as he Mm -hmm. claims. It is where he votes by mail, which we'll get to. Um, And it is a dead heat. Uh, In the most recent gubernatorial election, which is where you could have considered a referendum on Trump. Mm-hmm. You know, do you approve of Trump? Vote for my guy. If you don't yeah. approve of Trump, vote for the other guy. And the current governor now, Ron DeSantis, was a congressman, a very, very big uh, fan of the president. And then the mayor of Tallahassee, Andrew Gillum, uh, dead heat. I mean, it was mm-hmm. close. And, uh, and DeSantis won. Since then, Gillum, who lost that election, and a lot of other people have been on the ground registering young voters. Mm-hmm. They've specifically been focusing on young Latino voters in Florida, uh, which typically would skew to a Democratic vote. But some of those are such new voters, you, it's really hard to assume mm-hmm. what they're going to do. So I think that's a dangerous thing to do. Uh, and then most recently, uh, Michael Bloomberg, who ran for president for about five minutes, who had promised to commit um, a lot of money to this election, Mm -hmm. he just dumped $100 million into Florida. Mm -hmm. They are specifically targeting young Latino voters Mm -hmm. with advertising, with whatever they can Mm -hmm. do to swing them to Joe Biden. Mm -hmm. Uh, Currently, this past week, the the most reliable polls actually have uh, Trump having his best week in Florida. He's actually up by a couple of points in Florida, and it's been a dead heat for most of Mm -hmm. this entire thing. And he only won it, I wrote down from going back, he only only won it in uh, 16 by 1%. It was a very, very narrow margin by won it. I think it's actually tightened to the left, but then it it matters who's going to show up, who's going to vote. That's what matters. So that's Florida. Georgia's a new one. Georgia hasn't gone Democrat since Jimmy Carter. Mm-hmm. They vote Republican. You saw the same story in their most recent gubernatorial election, and it was kind of the referendum on Trump. Mm-hmm. You had Stacey Abrams yep. versus whoever, what's the guy's name that ended up being their governor? Kemp, Brian mm-hmm. Kemp. Uh, Brian Kemp was the Secretary of State for the state of Georgia. Um, I only know enough about this to be dangerous, but Secretary of State, as you may recall, is in charge of the elections in the state. And during that election. He didn't recuse himself from being involved in the election. No, he didn't. And I find that to be wretched. He Mm -hmm. should have never touched his office since he was running. And then the election was close enough that Mm -hmm. it certainly called into question. Yes, it left it open whether or not there was legitimate, um, you know, activity. Yeah. uh, 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 You know, it. It just didn't look good. Well, he left the optics, door open for her to matter. say, yeah. I'm the legitimate governor. Well, and, you know, he I'm hadn't a, been playing fast and loose with the rules. I'm a very small-time politician, and I certainly understand how the optics matter. Not necessarily right. what I'm doing, but what how you perceive what I'm doing. Right. And in Mr. Kemp's case, just going into your office yeah. when you're the Secretary of State and you're running Be above for governor. Be all things and take it that. Looks bad. Take that criticism yeah. away from them. So I say all that to say this because I'm not trying to recall Brian Kemp or anything. The election was very, very close. Was, yeah. Well, guess what Stacey Abrams has done since that election was over? They have registered Massive. young voters, and mm-hmm. they I think she really focused on the African-American community in Georgia, mm-hmm. not only registering them, but motivating them to vote and go to the polls. Um, that's a, Georgia's a coin toss. Mm-hmm. Um, 
if Joe Biden wins Georgia, it's over. Right. I did, there's there's nothing to talk about. And there's anymore. actually, I forget which one it is. I think it's CNN though. Uh, the road to two seventy. That if you go in and are interested in some of these things that we're saying, you can actually go in and turn states yeah, the you color that yeah. you know and see. Okay, so if he wins Georgia, you know, or let's say uh, you know Trump wins Florida and Biden wins Georgia, what else has to happen? Which other states? And it'll even show you these states are in play. Mm-hmm. These are standard Republican. These are standard Democrat, and it actually lets you see um, how you can run the table. So you really only need a couple of dominoes to fall mm-hmm. one way or another, and the election's over. So well, that, that's a fun thing to do if you're a nerdy person to go in there and just. Um, it's also fun to just to go in some of those states and really screw with things, like just to turn Alabama blue. Yeah, you know what I'm saying. <laughs> <laughs> What's that look like? You know, like it, it's just fun to play around, or, or California <laughs> in the same way. Let's just turn yeah. California yeah, red. Yeah, red. See what and happens. And it's just like. That's that, a funny thing. Yeah, that yeah. doesn't work. Yeah, that's the wrong color on that state. Yeah, so uh, putting thing those to states do. in perspective. So we talked about um, Arizona's up in the air. Um, we've got Florida up in the air, North Carolina up in the air, and Georgia up in the air. Uh, let's rewind not to 2016 when Trump won. Let's go back one farther to 2012 when Barack Obama won re-election. So Barack Obama received 332 electoral votes. It was it was an electoral landslide. Yeah, he he, did he well. was very comfortable in what he had done. In 2008, Barack Obama had won North Carolina. He didn't win it in 2012. Mm-hmm. His campaign knew he was going to lose it. They knew they lost North Carolina, um, and so they had kind of moved on. But to put in perspective those other states, so uh, Barack Obama did not win North Carolina. He did not win Georgia. He did not win Arizona. He did win Florida. And he won with 332 electoral votes, which was a huge win. I say that to say this. We're talking about these states that are in play in these toss-up states. Something that Donald Trump did in 2016 that still blows most political people's minds, he didn't just win those swing states that mattered. He won three blue states. Wisconsin. (laughs) He won three blue states. He won Wisconsin, Michigan, and Pennsylvania. Mm -hmm. Those had gone blue for quite some time. Mm -hmm. They all voted for Barack Obama, and then they swung to Donald Trump. Mm -hmm. Um, it, It was something that's even, it's hard to tabulate. It's hard to even look at. And so the reason that I really feel like it's it's leaning to Mr. Biden at this point, those states don't seem to be in question anymore. Mm-hmm. The ones that Trump was able to really swing just from blue to, yeah. to red, I think they're going back blue. And then the other ones that are toss-ups, right. Biden tends to be polling better in the toss-ups too. So it looks like it's his race to lose, but... I mean, Anything that's why we happen. that's why we play the game, right? right. So. And, you know, the Kavanaugh thing, a lot of people were, mo- were motivated by the Kavanaugh hearings, and I don't think um, it is incorrect to say that if, um, if these hearings get really uh, nasty and they seem to be, um, you know, really focusing on her faith and her, you know, her comments and things like that, um, there will be people who will be turned off by that in the same way that yeah. certain people were turned off by the Kavanaugh thing. Certainly. And so um, the worst thing you can do is come out and, you know, appear to be um, anti-faith or, or just anti-anything. Once again, you're talking about people who maybe right now are like, you know, I just I don't feel comfortable, you know, voting for the president or voting for the president again. Mm-hmm. But I really don't like the way they treated the Supreme Court justice. I mean, I really don't like it, and I can't vote for them. And, you know, I'm going to vote for him, not necessarily because of him, but because of their behavior. Mm -hmm. Um, So that's another another thing that may happen. It's... The nomination itself is is a given, but I believe how they play it could have electoral consequences. Oh, certainly. You you cannot... Especially as Democrats, you cannot appear to be hypocritical and just really... 
gang up on this woman and question yeah. her her credentials in a way that should not be questioned. She is credentialed. She happens to be a particular, you know, a particular person of faith or a particular ideology that you don't care for, but don't be sexist. Well, and and if you can be just as sexist as anybody can be sexist. Don't be sexist in your questioning. And, and in your honestly, thing. for me, if you're a Democrat right now and you just want to oppose her nomination, the only thing you really need to say is, hey, we're going by McConnell's rule from 16. We don't think we should be mm-hmm. confirming in a presidential election. Year. And it has nothing to do with don't, that. Don't call her into question at all because you're yeah. dead on. All you're going to do is make yourself look bad. Don't mm-hmm. beat her up. It ain't so. You ain't getting anywhere doing that. Mm-hmm. Just say, I don't think we should be confirming you. Have a nice day. you know, right. And be done. And let's just get it over with. She's going to get confirmed. Right. She's going to be on the court. So, yeah, I'm with you. Um. So, yes, uh, do do check out the CNN uh, website. That's a fun thing to do. Maybe we'll just talk about mail-in voting last Let's time. It, but yeah. that's the that's the one. Um, so when we talk about turnout and things like that, it's going to be different this time. Um, and just really quickly, uh, four out of ten people uh, uh, just generally in a survey have, have said they're going to vote by mail. Mm-hmm. Um, and there's already news stories being written about the record-setting number of ballots that are coming in by mail. Um, or, or the request, let me take that back, the request. Yep. Um, ballots, for the most part, you know, it's hard to get a handle on the ones that have come back so far, but certainly more people have been requesting mail-in ballots this year. Well, and, and uh, I had a surprising number. Um, I mean, it was it was 20-something percent of ballots are mailed in in presidential mm-hmm. elections. Typically, it was almost 25. It was almost mm-hmm. a fourth of the vote. I would never thought it to be that high, and so then you kind of go down the rabbit trail a lot of these states mail out ballots. It's mm-hmm. a thing. And I never would have thought of it. I always think of voting as a day and going and doing. Right. And you and I have both talked about you going with your father to the mm-hmm. polls and, and I've taken my daughter to sit next to me mm-hmm. while I vote. And it's a thing, right? That happens it's on a, a particular day. Yeah, it's a thing. I don't, I'm not really one that's of the opinion that it's just so much easier to have fraud there versus, mm-hmm. I mean, all due respect to the woman that looks at my ID when I go vote. She ain't comparing that picture to my face. You mm-hmm. know what I mean? Like, yeah. I could probably show her anything with the right name on it. So I don't know that it really increases chances, specifically in states like Oregon. Uh, they actually vote exclusively by mail. Uh, mm-hmm. They've kind of evolved this system since the 80s, and they're all big fans of it. And they vote red and blue. They mm-hmm. have they have a mixture of people, so they're not right. like one party. Um, they vote. They just send a ballot to the registered voter. Yes, which yeah. I find what fascinating yeah. that uh, that you just get the ballot, and then you have to be an extra kind of lazy. To, to not, not vote, yeah. send in a ballot. Which plenty of them don't. But they did have voter turnout is higher there. Mm-hmm. I'm always a big fan of that. There's always arguments about voter turnout. Mm-hmm. It's a democracy. What good is it if we're not participating? As right. many people participating as possible. And I don't care if I agree with you or not. I don't care if we're voting different ways. Mm-hmm. Please, for the love of God, vote. Right. Um, what do we have if we if we don't have that? So Oregon has, they have uh, increased it and they don't really speculate as they do their investigations and stuff. I mean, they're mailing a ballot to a registered voter. And the thing with mail-in voting for, for many of the rest of us, which by the way, is the same exact thing as absentee voting. It just really so everyone is. knows it's not, it's not different. I know not we've, different. we've heard some rhetoric from the top. It's, it's Confusing not, it's two. not different. They're the same dead thing. It's more complicated for the voter in many cases. Uh, I would I would exclude Oregon because that you know they do it mm-hmm. exclusively black. For someone here in Alabama, you've got a couple of envelopes and you got to yep. get them in the right order and you've got to put them in there in the right Witnesses. order. You got to really pay attention. And if you don't do it right, your vote, doesn't, vote count. doesn't count. And that really sucks because then you're excluded from mm-hmm. the democratic process. So that's a thing. But also it it's much more intense on our poll workers. Mm-hmm. Uh, I mean they they have to they open the ballot and verify everything. 
And then they actually open the inside envelope and shove it into a machine to be counted without looking at your ballot. Um, the other thing that's going to make this election kind of screwy is we, because we've had uh, so much interest in the uh, the mail-in ballot stuff, and several states have actually extended their deadlines for how long um, you can receive these ballots. And so it's not as simple as they must be received by, you know, the next day or whatever. Um, the biggest instance uh, and uproar is in North Carolina where uh, there was a settlement that said um, ballots postmarked on election day can be received and counted up to six days later, uh -huh. November 12th. Uh -huh. um, and also they can fix um, if there are things wrong with them. I didn't dig into exactly how they're going to do that, but if there are things uh, missing or whatever the case may be, that that voter has an opportunity to fix them, I mm -hmm. believe, is what part of that settlement was. So there's... And then two Republican members of the Board of Elections actually resigned over that very that very settlement after agreeing to it and then saying that they didn't necessarily agree to that settlement. So it, it became such a thing yeah. that they that they resigned over that particular thing. Um, and then Wisconsin, ballots can arrive by November 9th. Mm -hmm. Michigan you can get your ballot in by November 17th, That's if I wrote bizarre. this down correctly, and Pennsylvania by November by November 6th. That's so, bizarre. you know, it, some of the states are changing their, their deadlines as to how Well, they've never the been a big issue count. for them yeah. before because it's never been this high percentage. Right. Um, lumping them all together, uh, 26 of the 50 states require your ballot to arrive on Election Day or mm -hmm. by Election Day. And the other twenty four have some variation of allowing right. it after. Michigan the was the only one that that was just so far out there. Can you imagine that in that no. in Michigan no. you're still going to be counting ballots? And like see, that's going to be a big, November fifteenth. That's going to be a big part of our story too. Um, so of those uh, of those states that accept their ballots after election day, there's there's twenty four states that accept them after. They represent three hundred and forty nine electoral votes, mm -hmm. which is like 65% of mm -hmm. the electoral college. So if you've got some of those states that are really close, we're not going to know for two or three weeks. Yes. And so then it just becomes a crap show again, and we're all saying things, and we're all trying to paint narratives. The same thing we're doing yes. with saying somebody's on performance-enhancing drugs. We've got a couple of weeks to start stoking those fires, and it's just going to suck. It's going to be ugly, and it's going to be divisive, and it's and not going to be fun. And the suggests that Republicans, by and large, are going to take the president's advice and vote in person. They believe that's the only legitimate way to do it. Yeah. Democrats are going to be more likely to vote by mail, which is how we may potentially get into, um, you know, things that are going, you know, the president's way on election yeah. night within yeah. two to three days and these ballots mm -hmm. keep coming in, things are going to change quickly. And that's not um, malfeasance or anything what, like that. Yep. It can legitimately be. So the bulk of, you know, Joe Biden's votes in that state came in yes, after the yes, fact through mail-in vote, uh -huh. and that swung the state in his column. You're, you're literally it's right now. It's not old school, like, hey, we found a box of votes back here. You are literally writing the script for the talking points of the Trump campaign. Yeah. Um, because as long as the campaign, as long as the, the results seem close on election night, they're going to paint everything that comes in after that as tainted. As illegitimate. And that's not fair because let's say there is just rampant voter fraud. That would be like 3% of the vote, maybe. Mm -hmm. I mean, like if they really cranked it up and went hard after, it'd be 2 or 3% of the vote. But you're talking about what could end up being 30 to 35% of the vote. Mm -hmm. 
it's you know it's it's it's, it's a be unfair and I wrote to label it, down it all. Somewhere, is, um, so you said how many the three hundred they account for what three hundred? Uh, three hundred and forty nine of the five hundred and thirty eight. So apparently votes. Uh, there are five hundred and thirty eight electoral votes uh, total. Mm-hmm. But um, when you consider the swing states and that kind of a thing, there's really only a hundred ninety five that are really that's thought right. to be in contention. That's right. Uh, for those who don't know, well, and so, so that, that's really not a lot. You know, so many of the others are just locked in, as we've said about Alabama. That's right. Take those out of that column. That's not a question. It, it doesn't matter when it's the Alabama really ballots arrive. It's really down to 195 yeah. votes that we're talking and, about. And that's that's going to be the story, too. There's a good chance we get to election night, and all these places that matter mm-hmm. have enough of a consensus on election nights that we know mm-hmm. what's up. And, and none of this really even becomes a story at that yeah. point. But there's also a really good chance that it's really close, and uh, states that matter, like Florida, Georgia, North Carolina, Arizona, are close. Mm-hmm. So. Well, we'll uh, there'll be more to talk about the mail-in ballots and and things like that. Um, but outside of the uh, the election stuff, I I found something this week that I thought maybe occasionally we should just um, nominate. I don't know a citizen of the week or something like that. Okay. Um, and Go I ahead. have I have a clip that I want us to play um, where I mean I just think this guy deserves. That award, and he's local. Nope. Uh, okay. Nebraska. No. Nebraska. Nebraska. So he's a Nebraska citizen of the week. Yeah. Lincoln has the opportunity to be a social leader in this country. We have been casually ignoring a problem that has gotten so out of control that our children are casu- throwing around names and words without even understanding their true meaning and treating things as as though they're normal. I go into nice family restaurants and I see people throwing this name around and pretending as though everything is just fine. I'm talking about boneless chicken wings. I propose that we as a city remove the... Excuse me, I'm trying to... Yeah. Excuse me. Come on. I propose that we as a city remove the name boneless wings from our menus and from our hearts. These are our reasons why. Number one, nothing about boneless chicken wings actually come from the wing of a chicken. We would be disgusted if a butcher was mislabeling their cuts of meats, but then we go around and pretending as though the breast of the chicken is its wing. Number two, boneless chicken wings are just chicken tenders, which are already boneless. I don't go to order boneless tacos. I don't go and order boneless club sandwiches. I don't ask for boneless auto repair. It's just what's expected. And then number three, we need to raise our children better. Our children are raised being afraid of having bones attached to their meat. That's where meat comes from. It grows on bones. We need to teach them that the wing of a chicken is from a chicken, and it's delicious. I propose that we rename boneless wings in the city of Lincoln. We can call them buffalo-style chicken tenders. We can call them wet tenders. We can call them saucy nugs or trash. We can take these steps and show the country that where we stand and that we understand that we've been living a lie for far too long and we know it because we feel it in our bones. He's so passionate about his topic and I love it at one point he's actually kind of getting giggled at and dismissed and he like with excuse a, me with this straight face is like excuse me you know, like basically this is still my time you let me talk mm-hmm. through my issue and mm-hmm. I wish there were more of him I'm gonna be honest if I had one of those at every city council meeting in mm-hmm. Cordova over the last eight years I'd be a much happier man it made me jealous um, that we've never that we've never had that happen you know what this may be my post mayoral career. 
I may attending. go. I may attend all these government meetings and go through all the proper channels and get on the agenda and discuss random things like mm-hmm. this right here. Yep, I'm here for it. So uh, in He's the year wrong, that is 2020, I believe. He's not this, wrong. Yeah, I believe this guy is uh, the epitome of American citizen petitioning his government. Um, also, um, son of one of the council members, <laughs> which I find <laughs> delightful that his father had to sit there silently <laughs> and potentially with no one else on the board really realizing maybe one or two knowing it was his son and the others maybe not, but he had to just sit there and just, I don't know, what do you think that dad's feeling? Extreme pride or... Somewhere you, in between. You think he fell down under like the table a little bit? Like No, you're you're proud of your free thinking son that you've created, yeah. I think. But then you're also like, God, why'd you have to bring it here to yeah. my meeting? Yeah. yeah. But so, uh, I do side with him. He is uh, he's not wrong. No. They are misnamed and everybody's doing it and it's wrong and you're misleading us. So there you go. That guy gets my uh, gets my citizen citizen of the week, citizen of the week award. I think uh, we may feel, need to feel free to seek one out for next week if if you would like. But that guy, uh, I feel like he deserves the inaugural he's, award. He's a true patriot. Yeah, I'm here he for is. him. Um, so we'll be back next week. I'm sure we'll uh, talk about we'll some talk, debate. I'm we'll sure talk about the debate. Um, we'll probably have some new polling by then. We can talk about new where polling. we are there. We'll probably be starting towards confirmation. Um, uh, yeah. At least scheduling hearings and stuff. Mm-hmm. Uh, let's talk a little bit next week about our Senate race as well. Um, yes. I got to see some ads. It is quite obvious to me that Doug Jones has more money in his campaign because his ads are everywhere. Mm-hmm. But I finally got to see a Tuberville ad yesterday, and I chuckled. Yeah. Um, so we'll cliffhanger. Let's talk about that ad next I'll, week. Uh, I have to Google some of those ads because we don't see them. We don't see commercials really. With I our, caught one uh, um, habits, during the Bama so. game. It was during mm-hmm. the Bama game. Yeah. Couldn't avoid them, and uh, it made me laugh. Yeah. So, uh, so. that'll all be coming up uh, to look forward to next week. And there's always the random possibility that someone says something or does something that's just so outlandish that we we just have to lead off with it next yeah, week. Yeah. Who knows? Yeah. So. Um, that is 2020 for you. So thanks for being with us. We hope you enjoy us being back and uh, we will be back next week. See you guys. Left on Red is a DME media production. Copyright 2020, Daily Mountain Eagle.